0: mates mates, g'day ladies, g'day gentlemen Welcome to another Guitar Wank Podcast I am your host, Troy McCubbin You have no choice in that Welcome, and this is number 89 If uh, you're wondering, on the Guitar Wank Podcast uh, programs And uh, this is another stellar, amazing episode My god, you want to listen to this one twice It's really, really okay Uh, we've got a good one with Scott and Bruce this week we're back to the guys that's just from the other week Uh, we were going to have Shane uh, Shane Terrio did I get that right Shane I think I did Uh, we were going to have Shane but we'll do Shane probably next week Um, I I wanted to get this one out before it got uh, sat in the bag too long Uh, but Shane did have a joke for us he did text me a joke ...that I thought was appropriate for this show... ...a joke for the next guitar wank... Uh, ...what were lesbian dinosaurs called? What were lesbian dinosaurs called? Lickolotopus I'm sure there's a better way to deliver that joke... Um, well, I didn't do it... ...I didn't achieve that... ...but I'm telling you that joke... ...so you can pass it on to your friends and share it with your family and relatives um, yes <laughs> thanks Shane Tell us, send me more jokes mate uh, yeah so we'll have Shane coming up I'm not going to talk about the other guests because apparently you guys don't want us to talk about guests on the show that we're doing a show of so whatever uh, thanks to all our sponsors Johnny Sir for all that you do Jimmy Dunlop dear dario guitar picks my music master class um, exotic pedals we we'll catch up with those guys sometime soon um, aea ribbon microphones if you haven't tried a ribbon microphone from aea check them out they make really amazing microphones also sennheiser who look after us and um, my music master class i think i said that blah 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 oh the amp show is uh, coming up this weekend in Los Angeles the amp show which is cool it's (laughs) it's kind of weird because you go to a hotel and every room in the hotel is like a different guitar maker amp maker well mostly amps they have some guitars and that too but it's just weird because you go it's, it's usually like two or three floors and you just go from room to room um and there's just guitar gear and loud amplifiers and it's fun it's great and you uh, you see a lot of great stuff there I know Todd Sharp is going to be there and Todd's going to be playing at the Baked Potato I believe this Saturday night and I was going to go sorry Todd but my football team Richmond is uh, the Tigers is in the grand final woohoo after like the last time we in the grand final, this is Aussie rules football for you foreigners and Americans out there. Australian rules football, nothing like rugby, nothing like any other sport. It's a hell of a sport, super quick, and they wear really tight shorts. I don't know if that hasn't got anything to do with anything, but it's just an observation as a foreigner you would probably make if you saw the show. Uh, or the sport. Anyway, my team, the Tigers... They're in their finals this Saturday, which will be Saturday night, which is, no, Friday night. Oh, shit, I can go to Todd. All right. Sorry, Todd. I'll probably come to the show because it's Friday night is, yeah, because Australia's ahead. That's right. So, <laughs> Friday night, I'll be watching the footy. Saturday night, I'll go see Todd Sharp play. I think that's how it's gonna work. Anyway, Todd Sharps at the Amp show. Check out Todd's Amps. There's a bunch of other great amps are gonna be there. It's an amp show, so what the fuck are you talking about? Alright, uh, what else we got going on? This is an episode with Scott and Bruce. It's a lot of fun, a lot of ups and downs, it made me laugh, and I thought I should share it this week, because we need we need a lot of laughter right now. And <laughs> I'm thinking you guys might like this one. I liked it. I laughed a lot laughed at them too uh, yeah so anyway thank you so much for all the donations really 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 appreciate it thank you to all that have done that and uh, for all the emails and the support there's been some major problems in the mailroom. Um, The idiot down there has sent some different sizes to the wrong people or some shit's going on. We're fixing it as I talk right now. We're fixing this problem and we will rectify it and send you the correct sizes soon. So hang tight. If you do have the wrong size, give it to a loved one or someone you know that is the correct size and then you're going to get probably two for one. Uh, We will try and be better at that problem. But, you know... Um, I think that's it. Let's get into the show. Mr. Bruce Foreman Scotty Henderson, what have we got in store for the listeners this week? God damn it! <laughs> but, but, you know, like, I'm not really, like,
1: uh, uh, um, thinking of it as uh, even as, a, as an element of time. Mm. I'm just thinking of it as a space, period, right. regardless of how long or how short it is. It's just something like... Basically, that makes you hear. Yeah. You can't often hear what's going on while you're playing. Right. So, if you don't play, then you hear. <laughs> and then hearing is a valuable asset. And you to, can't hear if yeah. you
0: don't listen.
1: Right. And, and so, hearing is a valuable asset to to help you decide what you're going to play next.
0: All right. And my question, My question is, how good does that phrase have to be to dictate how long that space is. Like if you play an amazing phrase mm-hmm. and then you just fucking du- you shut up for like 30 seconds. Yeah, but what you're, <laughs> what you're talking that? about is
1: an element of self-hate because there are no amazing phrases or bad phrases or good phrases okay. because if you think there are, you're judging yourself. You don't want to judge yourself. So, oh, so, but still, you know,
2: st- haven't you ever played a phrase that just came out it's really rare, I admit. But no, 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 for me it is. In
1: my case, I'm sure it is too. Uh, uh, you
2: know, I mean, even for Miles, he said it was. Yeah. You play a phrase exactly the way you heard it, and mm-hmm. it's just got, it's just, it was this thing. I mean, you know, the, all the notes were shaded right, there were an mm-hmm. right, the art right. articulation was exactly what you imagined, you know, everything mm-hmm. just set in this perfect place right. in the music. Yeah. The way it was in the music, the yeah. context, the whole thing. It was like one of those moments of as close as any of us are going to get to perfection. Right. And and yeah, it's a moment where you just stop and you just mm-hmm. kind of enjoy that moment. Yeah, I've, you had, Cause I've had that re- moment. Because that's not, rare. They're not, they're, rare. They are pretty rare. I, I mean, get you get say. little pieces of it a lot, but to get one like phrase that just sits in that perfect, it's like, you know, a three banked eight ball shot or yeah, something yeah, you know, right. that does exactly what <laughs> right. you expect.
0: Can you can you guys think of a player that seems to do it a little bit more than anyone else or oh, in time? Oh, I hear a lot of guys. that yeah. I think do it a lot.
3: More I think I,
1: I, I think so too. But but they,
2: I would bet that they don't.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, they probably don't. But and there's you, probably any, people that talk any, about you guys like that too. Any player that
1: you respect, that's one of the reasons you respect him and like mm. him because you feel that he does <coughs> play a majority of great phrases and ideas. Otherwise, why would you listen to him? Yeah. So so. But what, what what I'm saying is, one of the things, like, I didn't mean to, like, you know, like, put you down because I think you're self-judging yourself. No, that, I, I'm just saying You that, didn't put him down. I didn't no, do that.
2: I'm just put saying Put him down that, so we can hear it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joy, yeah bitch, you bitch, You You Stupid
1: motherfucker.
0: I was just trying to think, if I could do one phrase, and the little I can play... Probably people think I'm a lot better no, if I no, play a lot you, less. You know what
1: it is, though. You know, here's what it is. Here's the secret of it. Right. Oh, the secret. Let's hear this. No, if no, this there, is teaching. There's a secret of it, and it is teaching. But but it's basically is that when you're when you're playing, you don't have it in your mind that you're performing for anybody. You've heard of fourth wall. You ever heard of the the fourth wall?
3: The
2: fourth yeah, of course wall.
1: we it's know a theater. that an acting a theater, it's a theater, theater term. Well, it's a theater, theater term, term
2: which which is you know muchly dis, great muchly. I'm like Trump greatly dis, dis you know disagreed upon. But there is the fourth wall, and what it is, it's the thing that keeps you from when you watch it. It's like you're watching something, and if if you have a connection to the story or to the actor, there's an intimacy that then makes the story not something you're observing but it becomes something you're part of
1: yeah in other words there is no audience the fourth wall is covering the audience okay so there's no audience so which takes the perception of performance completely out of the picture so you're no longer performing for anybody you are participating in a group discussion or uh bantering around of ideas I dare to say we hit you're doing that on the stage I dare to say
0: right we hit the fourth wall like pretty yeah. much all the time on the show <laughs> no, no, then, right? no actually <laughs> quite the contrary I think we break down the fourth wall uh, yeah. we, we get so, just yeah. like Shakespeare did yeah. I mean,
2: you know those the sides that the Shakespearean actors do Yeah, when they're like there's in the middle of a scene and all of a sudden they talk to the audience and say like he's full of shit <laughs> you know that and then they go back and do the thing you know I mean that that's breaking down the fourth yeah. wall and it creates an intimacy with the audience that makes them a part yes, of, of the and thing and exactly. that's to, to me including in my theater piece the red, and, guitar. the red guitar I my whole thing is breaking down the fourth wall well, yeah but
1: you're, you're and it's, communicating with the audience right, and that's a different thing as opposed to acting a part as, as
2: opposed to
1: communicating with other people on stage
2: yeah but I mean even when I'm communicating with other people on stage I don't like the fourth wall Oh well, well you don't like well, the fourth wall here, here's the thing <laughs> If you saw one of my concerts,
1: you would say that I don't like the fourth wall either because I'm constantly joking with the audience and getting them to be involved with the show. Especially I'm saying things like, are you guys drunk yet? Because you should be more drunk because we sound better if we drink more. And and saying to the guy in the front row, I think I see a little blood coming out of your ears. Maybe you should move a little away (laughs) from my cabinet. I mean, I'm always doing, I'm always kibitzing with the audience because it helps to ease the tension, and get them on my side. Yep. But while I'm playing and while I'm actually interacting with the other guys, I do not want to think about what they're thinking and how are they're judging me mm-hmm. or how they're, you know, the, all the guitars in, guitarists in the audience who are thinking, oh, I could do that better or blah, 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 anything negative.
0: Do guitarists right? really think like that?
1: Well, I think <laughs> I think you, we both know they do. They do. But what, 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 I love what being Mister sarcastic. What I was saying is that is that is that if you take performance right. out of the the equation and you're only participating, you're bound to be more creative because that little voice that's inside you, or that guy, the judge with the gavel that sits on your shoulder and tells you that everything you play sucks, mm-hmm. he's not there anymore you're not performing for anybody so why should anybody judge you oh. there's nobody to judge you because you are not performing
0: okay so
1: so simon what's his name he's not Cowell. there. simon Cal he's not there you know and what's her name that believe Fox, me not at my Fox <laughs> that i love so much the Which english one? girl
0: that used to be the spice oh really what's you like <clears> that? um uh it's not sporty no it's um what's her name i forget. Anyway, um, I think one she's of those. hot. You like her? Yeah, I do. Okay. Anyway, I'll put in a word
1: for yeah, you. Yeah, please do. <laughs> anyway, so so, but what I'm saying is that panel of judges and those that 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 thing that tells you, well, that wasn't good. So for for you better throw that idea in the trash because it sucked. Right. That's what stops you from being melodic. That's what stops you from continuing your ideas and making long statements instead of just playing an idea and throwing it in the trash, and playing another idea and throwing it in the trash, and playing another idea, which is what students do. Mm. Because no one's ever told them that you're supposed to be telling a story, not just playing the correct notes. They're they're thinking, okay, I played the correct notes, now I'm going to play another bunch of correct notes, and now I'm going to play another bunch of correct notes. They have no fucking idea of how to tell a story, because I guess every time they play something and then stop, they judge it and decide whether or not to... Keep going with that idea or throw it in the trash and 99% of the time they think it sucks and they don't continue it. So what I'm saying is if you take the judging factor away, then everything you play is okay and worthy of continuing, if you want it to. That's what I'm saying. That's all. And and so, and the other things when you take your hands down to your sides, you let that phrase breathe. And the next time you play, you answer that phrase with something that, with, that fits, that fits the, right. the, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like a book with paragraphs and sentences and question marks and periods. Imagine if it was just all text and none of that was there. It was just a text, 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 hard on the eyes. Yeah. And that's how some people play. They just play so many fucking notes all the time and so many different ideas they're no fun to listen to after a while. It all becomes random and fucking. What do you call it? What's what's the word for it? Just rambling.
0: Yeah, Just in the rambling
1: of a crazy man, <laughs> rambling of a nonsensical. Yeah, Bruce. You know, you don't have to be. You don't have to be incorrect to right. ramble. Right. You can use all the correct words and correct vernacular and still ramble and bore people to death.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Kind which of like is, now, which is yeah, like, <laughs> like exactly right now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> good call. <point. laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. It's so guilty. We've all been so guilty of doing that. Yeah, you know that Jesus. It's it's. I think guitar players may be the most guilty of, of doing that,
2: or drummers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because we're, we're like drummers in that way. We can play forever and not stop. First of all, we have the potential. We don't have to take it. a breath. Our chops don't give out. No, right. we can take a breath. We don't have to take a breath. Well, we can press I it, mean, there's a, a pedal. lot. I mean, it's different for everybody. And of course, Scott is hypersensitive to this because he's, you know, he's guilty of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: Boy, I'm hypersensitive to it. Well, I'm also, I'm, it. I'm
1: also hypersensitive to it because I just came from a long tour of hearing myself play every night <clears throat> and trying to play better and figuring out ways that I can play better without actually having to be a different person. Like, mm-hmm. I can't turn myself into Wes Montgomery, right? But I can think of, like, what are some of the things he did that make him really musical? And I can try to take on some of those characteristics if I. Or any guitar player, right? And and I tend to think about guitar players who leave more space. I don't think about Inve, right? How can I become more like Inve? I'm already too much like that. I'm already playing too many notes, right? For me to to, I'm not saying that it's That's too, right. many you've got, too many you've got notes.
2: That's right. You got you got just as many consonants yeah, as he does too, in your name. Too many too many <laughs> notes. Too many notes can be a
1: great thing at the right time. It's fine, you know. It,
2: you know what? You know, Inve is one of those
0: guys that he. I love him. He's then, so he's, he's so, so fucking good. Oh my god! He's a
2: badass. He's a, a badass. He'd he 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 be him. fun
0: to have on the show just for the. Yeah, I love. The I love to yeah. talk to that guy.
1: Love. He'd it, be amazing. But, um, I think he's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh,
2: you know, to me, I I look at. I mean, I I couldn't agree more with what he says. and I'm, I think I'm going through the same thing. We all do. You know, especially as you get older. You know, and you've played a lot of stuff in your life. You know, you've played a lot. And so, you know, then you start to kind of want to play the important stuff, you right. know, rather than all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, a good and, way to put it. And, <laughs> and, but, but I'll tell you, I mean, because I deal with this with young players, students, like he meant, he alluded to. And I think there's lots of issues pressuring it. That has driven the music to that sort of valuation of that style of playing and that attitude about how that's how it goes. Uh, One of them is the hyper technicality of everything. You know, we got young people coming up, and they're the you know exponentially better than the generation before them. That's the way it's always been, and that's the way it will continue to be. And now we've got young players who are technically way beyond what we what our hot guys were at our at that equivalent age, it just happened because they had all the stuff that's happened since we were that age yep. to, to, to learn and mm-hmm. just get down. So there's that. So the valuation of that is that's, that's like a skill now that's almost ex- expected and, and the only thing that's honored. Second of all, the way the music is taught and conceived is that it's the details driving the effects, the function. You know, whereas the guys that they think that they're copying, they take the details, well, he played this over this chord, he played this over this chord, he played this over this chord, this is what his lick was, this is what his lick was. You get enough of those together and you just start stringing these things together and you start to create this new kind of playing that has nothing really to do with the guys that they pulled the details from. It misses the point. Because you you know like I could take all the details all the th- the parts of a car, and I wouldn't necessarily have a car to put together at the end. I'd have screws and bolts and nuts and like brake rim or you know brake discs yep. and all. So it's like, you know, like Charlie Parker two five licks now are what bebop has become in the minds of young people. So when they go to play, it's basically just reciting a bunch of shit Quoting. as fast as they can. And connecting it all as best they can. But wall didn't you to guys wall. start off doing no, wait that? A minute, too? Wait a minute. I'm trying to explain okay, sorry, something sorry. here. Don't interrupt me. I mean, I haven't <laughs> talked very much yet. Uh, and so I'm just adding adding to how the music has become this way. Mm. And and of course schools where we value information, you know, and then that's becomes this way. And people have lost the idea of context in music. In jazz, I have found. The, the, the stuff i mean they're even writing songs now where they'll have a chord and the chord is just basically based on a scale it's not really a chord that belongs in a cadence hmm. they even call it non-functional harmony that's the word for it which pretty obviously means that there is no cadence right right okay and so this this dominant seven, you know a sus chord flat nine. well we know that's melodic minor you know, we already know, you know, what and there's other chords that relate to the harmonic minor, and the harmonic minor with the blah blah blah, you know, and the, the Locrian with the regular natural two. There's these chords, there's this whole litany of chords that relate to scales. That's their point on earth. They're not they're not their point is not to take you from this chord to this chord to the next chord. Okay, so that's another part of the music that's become super important. Super important. and, and if you listen to the guys who play great. That's a big part of it. And so when you have these three issues, you know, the, 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 the honoring of, tech, of chops, you know, and, and the, just the, the wall-to-wall nature of things, you know, like the reciting of ideas constantly, and then the relating to a, a scale harmonically and not a progression, not a functional progression, mm-hmm. you naturally don't have context in, a, in the bigger picture. Because really what makes a melody good is sequential context. I, mean, you, you, I defy you to sing any great song and it'll become obvious like the second you start singing. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, da 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 right? I mean, there's this whole thing. Or, you know, da-da-da, ba-ba-da-ba-da-da-da, ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba, guess what? Da-da-da, you know what I mean? <laughs> there's a, there's That's the way stories are told through music, have been for Centuries. This is our DNA. Mm. And so when we go to improvise and we don't honor any of that construction, we instead honor chops and honor, you know, like recitation of of unrelated vocabulary car, fish, bicycle, green, puke. You know, (laughs) they actually green and puke kind of work together. Uh, That was a bad. I made a mistake. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? You get, you get that kind of a thing and then you, know, and then you get this non-functional, there's whole idea is just to not have things relate to each other. And we're wondering why ideas don't relate. Well, he's saying, play an idea. Listen to it. Now, if you're in a group conversation, you play this idea and it comes back to you. And you, you, you conceive of the idea that needs to be played. If you're playing by yourself, you play an idea, there's still an answer to that in a different way. And and, and and I'm not saying that's the only way music should play, should be played. I'm saying it's an essential element of music that has seems in jazz to have been discarded with the blues. Mm-hmm. That's my personal opinion. I'd have to and agree.
1: I'd agree. I'd agree with him because it's not like he's saying that you have to play traditional jazz to be a jazz musician, and you have to play over traditional chord progressions. No. it's not anything about that. I know him well enough to know that's not what he means. But what he means is that when the when the story gets lost in favor of the technique, then you got a real problem. You know, then you basically got a student. You right. know, cuz cuz and there's so many guys even pro guys, and I don't want to mention their names. Oh, but please they do. No, I'm not. Come gonna, on, mention but, one. <laughs> you know, they just don't tell don't, don't tell any names, <laughs> but his initials are... They, yeah, Eddie but, Van Halen, yeah, you yeah, bugger, yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it's just that they, they don't seem to often tell stories. They just seem to ramble on with yeah. their scales and their shit. Yeah. And it's not, it's pretty much anti-Thelonious Monk or anti-Toot Stillman or anti-Wayne Shorter, anti-Jeff Beck. The guys who really do tell stories with their playing. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And and and, how many
2: times do you just sit and play something and you put your hands at your side or grab your crotch or do whatever you want to pick your nose? You know, I mean (laughs) how many times do you play something and then the question becomes and this is my personal belief it's the most important question in music. What belongs next? That's why the space is more important. Right. Because the space gives you the
1: time. To think about what's the best thing to play next, right? And when and you don't is, give yourself any time, you're almost playing on a subconscious, like, stupid level where you're spitting where shit you're, out. All right, what shit if you like give yourself space
0: and nothing comes? That's what do beautiful. you do then? Then that's keep that's, listening, then, keep
1: yeah, listening. Yeah, you'll think, hear something, yeah. You okay. will, I
2: mean, it's natural,
1: you will hear but you something, hear something.
2: Okay. yeah. And and you, know. and you can also, I have exercises for training to learn to listen to yourself because most people. The truth is the reason they don't hear anything after they played something is they didn't even heard what they they didn't play. even hear what they played.
0: Is that on one of your videos? I don't know that it is. It might be.
1: But there's even okay. even when it's not about space, we've talked about this before and we don't need to go back into it, but but even with really noty players like say Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen came along and not only did he have amazing technique, but he also plays really soulfully and he's a good blues player and he has mm-hmm. a lot of he, he
2: he knows how to put emotion into his playing, And he also playing. created textural yeah, landscapes. He's kinda, he, when yeah. he built his solos, it wasn't really in the classic sense of a melodic motif, no. uh, a melodic motif story. His story was more like an eruption, a volcano. Yeah. And so it was like a certain amount of texture that was this amount of agitation that became this amount of agitation that became yeah. this amount of... I mean, that's, that's a physical story being yeah, told. It's my, not necessarily in the melody harmony world that we're no, talking about cuz it's a about, different world. But it's world. still the same thing. But
1: my point was that when people started to copy him, they often just copied his technique and didn't copy his ability to play a really soulful phrase or a or an emotional phrase or or get Or tone. Look at Hendrix, what, what Hendrix happened or, to Hendrix, you know. It's the same kind of thing, you know. You <laughs> you see a lot of imitators, but you don't hear them imitating the right shit.
0: I felt like and, I posted something on Facebook today yesterday with Eddie and Sammy Hager and the reason why I posted it I don't think I've watched something of Eddie's for a a while and I've seen a lot of players that you know play like Eddie or Mm -hmm. copy stuff and I was it was just a short little video of Eddie actually playing but I was so blown away at what he did it was so cool and amazing and it just so Eddie I was like fuck It, it was just incredible and I think you nailed it right there when you said like he just that does stuff like all these players copy that shit but they're missing that huge element well they may, they mainly just copy the one
1: element of his technique which is the two hand technique yeah. which which is just a part of what he did it's not the whole thing I mean no. Jesus he played so many solos on <clears throat> especially the early Van Halen records where he didn't do two hand tapping at all yeah. he just played a great guitar solo and maybe it wasn't a big long drawn out jazz solo it was, it was <coughs> just a little eight bar solo but Shit! Yeah. I mean,
2: have you that's heard? That's redundant. What's long, that? Long drawn out jazz. A long solo. drawn out jazz <laughs> solo. <laughs> you just say jazz right. solo. That's right. enough.
1: But you know, you know, you know. Take for example the the really short solo in um, uh, what's that Aerosmith song that was their big hit? Walk this way. Right. What a great guitar solo! It was short, but it was melodic and it was really good. And the second one is really good too, you know. Or Jocko's solo in Teen Town. Really short, not much to it, but wow, you know, all the great notes, all the really important ones, all the cool phrases, they're all there and they're mm-hmm. really melodic and very singable, and everybody remembers it. Yep. so so you know when you, even when you have a short time to play and it's not a big, long solo, you can still call up that that melodic thing, and you just can't go wrong, <laughs> can nail it you cannot go wrong well you
2: know yeah i mean this is an interesting thing that you know i mean i noticed more in rock but i wish was it is true in jazz but it's not as true um you know you got two kinds of rock solos basically you got your melodic solo that when you hear the song you know, there's an amazing solo that you actually sing along the Hotel doors. California. <laughs> or, or, or if something, you know, George Harrison, you sing that solo. Right. I mean, everybody who sings that song sings the solo, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, it's a it's a, it's anthemic. You know I mean? It's so melodic, and it's just a piece of the... And there's thousands of those kinds of solos. There's also the chops, you know, the, the energy solos, where you just, like, tear the house down and really create this amazing energy shift that allows you to arrive at the next place for the song to come in. And both are equally effective and equally good. Where they fail is when they kind of do a neither or a little bit of each, Mm. right? I mean, and, and I think oftentimes where jazz players fail in telling a story is they get caught between their strategy is to really what they're saying and when they're saying it. So it's like, okay, if it starts off melodic and it builds into an energy solo that then arrives at the new place, that's really effective. But if it kind of does this and then it just blah 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 this and then blah blah, blah this and it just kind of, well, we just did three choruses of something and now somebody else has got to do something, you know, that's where it fails because it misses the point of the storytelling, of the arc of the, f- you know, it's a solo in a piece. It's not the piece. Mm.
1: Right. We we had a, a discussion in because I I brought four new tunes in to the to the to the band this time to and they're four pretty
0: hard tunes. Are these new new songs? New songs. Right, okay. You know.
1: And and so I didn't know being the writer, I mean having never played the songs live, I had no idea of what I wanted. It's so, sometimes you, you've heard people say, I don't know what I like, but I'll know it when I hear it. Mm. That's how I was. Right. I, don't, I had no idea of what these songs should sound like live because all they are right now is a drum machine and a bass on a, on a, in a computer. They don't, compositionally, they make a lot of sense to me, but live performance wise, I really don't know what to expect from them. Right. And I don't know what the audience should expect. So we had to learn, we had to figure it out. And you know, there's those kind of solos that I call like look at me solos where you're just going to flat out give it everything you have and, sh- and, and throw in everything but the kitchen sink so the audience stands and applauds at the end of your solo, that's a look-at-me solo. Mm-hmm. It's an ego solo. And there's nothing wrong with them every once in a while. But what I really hate is when I see bands and every single solo is an ego solo. <laughs> that's solo. how Chick Korea's band was. Right. Hated it. Yep. That's one of the reasons I hated playing with Chick Korea, because every solo is an ego solo. The bass solo, the drum solo, the, every keyboard solo, <laughs> it starts off really soft, and then it builds, and it builds, and it builds to this big orgasmic climax <coughs> at the end. Oh, <coughs> God, it's so I'm getting hot. I'm getting hot. I gotta, uh, it's pardon so, me. It's pardon just, me. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. you know can I get her a little sheet? I'm, getting, yeah, right, I'm right. getting excited <laughs> here. But it's just, It's. first of all, I think it's dated, and I think it's corny. Yeah. Uh, not maybe every once in a while. Not as it corny can, as one of my solos, but pretty cool. It's it, it can be corny. Yeah. It can be. And especially if you just continually to do it all night all the time. long. It can yeah. be really corny. Yeah. So we had to figure out, like, okay, which solos are just going to be, like, those weatherport kind of solos where you don't really even know they're soloing. You can't really distinguish from the improvising from the structures of the, of the melodies and stuff. All of a sudden, there's some melody, then there's some blowing, then some melody, and there's... Some, and no one is supposed to stand and clap after your solo. Hmm. It's, that's not what the solo's for, to get you applause. Yeah. Plus, I,
2: I actually... Can I go on record here with a rant? I want to back Yeah, you let up me here. just finish what I was no, going to say. No, no, you know, we got your point. No, go <laughs> but anyway, what, uh,
1: to to finish what I was going to say is that to figure out during the course of a night and to plan a set is to is really important to how often in during the course of the night are you going to have those kind of solos that are supposed to initiate (coughs) applause from the audience and fulfill the ego of the guy playing. You know, like, throw the guy a bone, throw the bass player a bone, because you want him to have a moment where everybody hears all the amazing shit that he can do and applaud it. So you give him that moment. Right. But you don't want to give him that moment in the middle of a song where it doesn't belong. Fuck him! He's a
2: bass player. (laughs) Boom, 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 boom. Jesus Christ! Christ. You know, yeah. You start doing that, next thing you know, he's going to be calling subs on the gig at the last minute. (laughs) You know, it's going to happen. You get for five dollars more, he's working for somebody else. You're going down that rabbit hole. You can go by yourself. (laughs) You
1: you got my point. Basically, we got your point. bass (laughs) solos, but guitar solos as well.
2: Now my point. I (laughs) I hate, I go equivocally on record as hating applause.
0: just remember ladies and gentlemen we really appreciate your ears on this show please share the show share the podcast leave us reviews on uh itunes or wherever else you can leave us a review send all your questions to guitarwank at gmail.com go to the website guitarwank.com and uh you can leave your donations there you can throw us lots and lots and lots of money you could send us gear I will gladly take your gear if you feel like donating gear. I don't know where that come from, but that could be weird and interesting. Anyway, uh, leave all your comments there. Go to the website, the Facebook page, the Twitter, the Instagram, um, the Tinder. I think we're on Tinder. All those places that uh, you can talk about Guitar Wank. Share it with your friends. and Or don't, but you should. All right. Let's get back to the show. How exciting. It just gets better. (laughs)
2: become, in jazz, obligatory. So, you know, a guy farts and pukes and shits on a tune and he still gets his a, applause. No, do doesn't he doesn't get the <laughs> applause that the guy who's better, you know what I mean? But the fact is, is you're right. The, the part of the guys play for those applause and that's bullshit. That doesn't help the music. But more importantly, the thing about jazz that blows my mind that's always been my favorite part of playing it and listening to it is the transitions it's like somebody has just played a really cool told a really cool story on a song and it's that moment of truth is where is it all going to go next what part of that guy's story are we going to take and make a new story out of maybe we'll just totally reject it and do a whole new story maybe we'll take it and really go with it you know it's like there's that moment where the band has to congeal and decide the new direction for the next the next chapter of the story. Right. And that's obscured to a, to me as a listener. I can't hear that because everybody's applauding for the solo. So all the beginning of this is happening. This moment of the band kind of coalescing and deciding a new direction and all this stuff. I don't get to hear it. And even on the bandstand, when I know it's one of the most exciting moments of the music, if not the most exciting, uh, it also it, it's an interruptive energy, and I, it makes it difficult to hear and make decisions as to what to do, because it's all of a sudden bacon's frying, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I just wish everybody, and except for there are those momentary those where I do, I just scream. And sometimes I scream in the middle, and sometimes I scream at the end, because it's just so earth-shatteringly, life-changingly beautiful that I, I can't hold back, you know what I mean? But that's the only time I do it, is when there's like been a, I mean, the, the, the combination of a grand slam and a soup, and a touchdown at the same time, that right. I'll go nuts. Yeah. You know, and, I can, and I don't give a shit, because I'm just literally in that musical you know, orgasm. So that's cool, but you know, just the obligatory making noise at the end of every solo is appreciating everybody. so fucking what? It does, it, it does get, get a little annoying. It's like, do you you go outside and like the mailman delivers the mail and you applaud him <laughs> and then and then you, <laughs> you get you, get, get, to like the, you get to the supermarket and they check all your you know they you they, they, they they they, they, they write, ring up your bill and you applaud them and then the guy bags them and you applaud them and then you know what I mean and you go and it's like well. And the plumber puts your toilet in and you applaud. You know, that's actually more worthy of applause than most jazz solos, if you ask me. So I'm just saying that it's just gone, and that it has the effect of what Scott's talking about, which I really agree. But it also has another effect, which is me as a listener and player, it does obscure what I think is one of the most beautiful elements of the music.
1: Well, let me, let me talk for a second about how I fix that because I've fixed that. Yeah, he plays solos that don't get (laughs) applauded. Yeah, that's easy. That's that's not hard for me to do at all. But I do fix that in in when I, because there are definitely some of the tunes, not all of them, but some of the tunes where I don't want people to applaud after the solo because it ruins the next part. Mm -hmm. So what I've done, and what a lot of jazz players have done, is the first part of my solo is actually composed. Maybe even the whole first chorus. Mm -hmm. When I play all blues, the first two choruses, I play the same every single time I play the song. They're part of the composition. And my last half chorus is composed because it goes into the next yeah, part. But you, you still
2: get applause. I'm I there. do, but
1: I do sometimes. In, yeah, I always do. Yeah. But the thing is... Because <laughs> it's, well, you know it's a what? badass half chorus. No, you <laughs> know what, though, but News" was a bad example. There are other tunes where... The end of the solo goes into something that continues in a way where no one would dare to applaud because they're too busy listening to it. Right. And it's it was composed that way because it's too soft and too important, and people are still listening to it. They would never applaud, and they never do. Right. So so that's one way to fix that is to compose something that compose the end of the solo so that no one can really even tell when the solo ends because it's gone on into. A composition into a composition and the end of the solo has been completely ex- uh, ex- uh, what, right right you obscured uh, obscured right exactly yeah so so that's one way to do it and then in the other way is is that sometimes if um if the solo does not actually rise to uh, a big orgasmic conclusion and then stop then A lot of times people expect that and when they don't get it, they don't applaud. Mm -hmm. Another thing is, is that some of my solos, I want people to applaud and I want to give them the space to applaud because I think they need it. Because if they don't, they feel like they're fucking inhibited and they're like, oh God, these guys are never going to let me clap. So like I'll end a solo... And it ends with a big chord, and I go like my end of my solo. In and then he does this and amazing goes, double back. Yeah, double, double back. And he does
2: the kind of thing in the yeah. gymnastics routine. Yeah. And it's, everybody, it's the most amazing everybody holds up
1: numbers. With <laughs> yeah, it's, nine, eight, seven, it's the amazing. It's the amazing dismount. Right, it's, you know <laughs> exactly. But really, it is a dismount because the solo ends with a huge big chord, and then a soft chord, and nothing. It's like the end of the tune. Right. And people always clap because of course they do you've given them the opportunity to release that energy that they have that they appreciate it so
2: they want to right. release it i don't think they never should oh and I, did i say that yeah I mean, I mean at the end of a song is a great place to yeah, i've, been to, gigs, mean, I've been to gigs i've been to gigs for both of
0: yeah. you guys where the band will play and it almost feel because i've heard you talk about the whole applause thing before and i've gone yeah that i don't want to applause but there's almost an expectation where people in the audience are looking around like, why aren't you applauding? That was amazing. Right? <laughs> I don't, I don't
3: necessarily,
1: necessarily think there's anything no, wrong with them applauding. It just but is but what it is. It, yeah. it is what it ex- is, right. It is become but an expectation. Sometimes it does. does fuck with the music. And, it really it, and
2: actually, like my yeah. Red Guitar Show. Okay, this is a whole different it's element. A good. Good. Thing, you know, I mean, just saying this is a whole different thing because this really isn't a jazz concert performance. Right. This is a theatrical performance that has jazz in it. Right. And and I know that people exactly what Scott says. There's moments where people need to applaud. You know, and I mean they're they're used to it. There has been that you know so much training of them to. To like, you know, the dog just jumped through the hoop. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, the monkey just rode the dog. Oh, yeah. That sounds the, just the like the your show. The, the, ele- the, ele- the elephant just breathed out of his nose. Boy, you he's know? really describing his show you perfectly. Know, and <laughs> so, no, wait a minute. So, so I know that there's a certain need. so I, But at the hmm. same time, in this show, I really don't want it because of well, now, now the transitions. Yeah. The story needs the, the important transitions. If they get obscured or if I break the mood the break the fourth wall uh, by letting them applaud—that's a problem. So I had to pick times where they could applaud, so that they can get there. You know, they can feel mm-hmm. relaxed because I know it's a—it's like a pen up tension. Like, and when I first was doing the show, I was kind of going through and not letting people applaud, and people were telling me this is like it was a little hard. You know, it's okay. I respect this is what the needs of the audience is because. Even though it's a theater piece, it's still a music piece and so I'm kind of fusing worlds fusing, together. Yeah. I have to understand the needs of the audience. You know, and so but I purposely make it obvious, like this is you know, I play an ending that's a dismount of a sort of like tie a package up, put a nice bow on it, and hand it to you. Or like <laughs> dinner is served. Right. You know, and I mean and then they can applaud and I just kind of noodle until the applause is done and then I jump right back into the story. And that was a big learning thing for how to make that work and I'm still, I don't, I'm not saying I got it completely, I'll never have it completely dialed in, you know, it's, it's a work in progress, it's jazz. But that, what he's saying is so true, is that yeah, they need that, and yet at the same time, we need them to really hear the beautiful stuff.
1: Yeah, you just, for me it's trying to figure out how to compose it into the music where the appropriate time is
2: always the appropriate time for right. everything, right. for everything, not just and the you're applause. And still leaving room for yeah. just the guy who's yeah. like, that was the most, you know, like one line you played was like the most amazing life-shattering thing they ever heard, you know, and they're going to like, what, you know, I mean, and that's beautiful. There's
1: nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you know, it's really funny, like there's a couple times on this tour where, People started applauding in the middle of my solo because I guess I did something that they liked, and then they didn't applaud at the
3: end of
2: it. That's a sign. That's going. Guy. Wait a minute! I thought you were digging <laughs> this. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a sign that you peaked too soon. So yeah, it's like I thought
1: you guys were digging this. You know, no, I guess they didn't. You know, my
2: ex-wife used to do that. <laughs> yeah, wrong. right. I think I had a premature <laughs> orgasm. You know, when we started getting into it, and she started applauding, and it was like it's kind of. But at the end, she never did much. You know, I'm you know, like, a bass player. The bass player that I work with, Romaine.
1: He's got tons of chops, and when he gets into his super chop thing where he's really laying down, people always go nuts. Right. And then often you know, that's not the end of his solo. He still has a little more to say past that, but usually that's where they applaud. Oh, right. And then when he's done with the solo, they don't, <laughs> <then> they don't <laughs> applaud. And it's like, oh, well, uh, you know, you can't top yourself. You just right. did that thing that you, you do. too it, early. And it always just blows people's minds. Yep. But you
2: can't end with it. <laughs> so well, but there's <laughs> a, but, but, but there's a pro, again, this is, you know, going <laughs> back to our original discussion. Wow, it's amazing when segues work like this. But, you know, yeah, you can do a stunt and people will applaud. Mm-hmm. But if you tell a story and they're following the story, they know when to applaud. But if it's, if it's a stunt you're doing in, in the middle or towards the end of a story, they're going to applaud the stunt. And that has mm-hmm. become such a valued part of our music in some weird ass way. It's a it's a value. You know why? Because it's a valued part of our culture. Okay, but that's it, good. That's, that's a good what point. it is. That's a it good is. Point. It's yeah. not just
1: music. It's, it's for fucking it, it, everything. It's, it's everything. everything. Our culture wants us to be great, and they won't accept anything less. But so everything's you, instant gratification. Yes, it's instant gratification. It has to be fucking great, and you have to be. It's almost like you have to be a circus performer. Yeah, to, but people you know, are listening you know. to
2: this. How do you explain that? Well, well not, because that people can't. are still looking for that. This, this sure is circus. hell. Right, Instant gratification. <laughs> They've been listening for eighty episodes. Not much 85, has happened. Eighty-five. This is not, the eighty-six. Not, not a whole lot went on, did it? <laughs> you no, <know>, but it's, <laughs> think it's, about they, it, folks. They do. They're, there's so much. There's so much in
1: culture yeah. that about <laughs> competitiveness and greatness. And blah, and ego, Mm -hmm. you know, and when you put that all away, and it's very, like I said before, it's humbling. It's love. It's humbling to know that the world can gladly go on without you. Yeah. And that what you're doing isn't all that fucking important.
2: God, now you're really bringing me down.
0: <laughs> all right. Let me,
2: thanks for let that, me ask. Man. Let me ask this. Things were going great, gentlemen. <laughs>
0: Give me some guys <laughs> that in, in jazz and even in, in rock and pop and stuff that you think tell stories really well. Well, I already did. I already named four great ones. But you always name those guys on the same thing and everything. But they are. They're the okay. guys.
1: That, Miles, you take Miles Davis. Miles, right. Miles Davis, Wayne Shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, Toots Thielmans uh, Jeff Beck uh, Because I can name Those composers Some of them That I would agree with And some of them That I wouldn't Because I am a big fan Of Debussy I I hear it played At my house On a daily basis (laughs) Debussy Fields And And Ravel and Count Basie, and Duke Ellington, right. and uh, Charles Mingus. Well, Count Basie wasn't
2: really but all that I, much of a composer. I, I, he was more of an arranger. I right, mean he, exactly. He decompos- well, you know, but but is, even so, yeah. I'd still put him up in everybody's, everybody's, because well, what know, he brought to the music truly changed the world and was a brilliant personal so statement. Joe, that was so Joe just per- Wayne. Exactly. I'm not you saying know. they're not the equal. I'm not saying they're not better. That's what I'm saying.
1: What I'm saying... And that I think that you misunderstood me. I obviously that, did. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely did. Because what I think that you didn't understand what I'm talking about is that I know that I'm a good composer. And I know that when I sit there and compose, I have to use the process of elimination just like everybody else. And the people that you are mentioning, they also used it. And so did Everyone. And for you to tell me that they didn't, you oh, don't uh, fucking know that because you weren't there no, when they no, those I, those no, are
2: you you quite the contrary, Scott. You have completely changed the argument, and I won't let you do that. I won't let you do that. That's what, I, that's what I'm... That's you can what I'm replay mean. the thing. You said those guys didn't just play something and end up with a tune. And I'm telling you... How do you know? Them, Were you there? Be, because I know a lot of those guys. I do know a lot of you're, those guys, you're saying and they you... told me the stories about it. And I do know guys who are historians about those guys and did okay, know those guys, who? and I've read books about those and guys. And so have I. Okay, and they and a, I mean, I'm not saying every song they wrote was just like, any yeah, more but than every, every song. Every song
1: that Joe wrote was
2: well, I, I'll guarantee you, there was a lot of refining of his songs. I'm just he went saying that he didn't just puke it out, and that's the way it was forever.
1: Uh, well, you know what? I saw him do it enough times to know that he did.
2: Well, I just and that's why I think. And that even he's, so,
1: some these guys, some I refined, think he had a gift some, that a lot of composers don't have. I'm not that's all I'm, saying he, that it, that's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not su- trying to say his composing was better than other well, people's. Well, that sure sounds like what you said. No, I said that he was <laughs> yeah. able to... I mean, did I, I misunderstand yeah, something here? Yeah, you did. Here? You uh, actually did. I, did. Uh, I if, I wanna, if you roll the tape back, you will hear you dis... Ah, no, uh, uh, McGregor uh,
0: and Mayweather,
1: uh, what a uh, fight no, that I'm was. I'm sorry. Will, no, you will hear <laughs> sorry, the point no. where you did where <laughs> where you Let's just move on, because
2: maybe I didn't misunderstand you, but what you said, is and what I heard, I'm not a guy who doesn't understand English, and I heard what I heard. <laughs> well, So let's I, just agree, let me, okay, that we understand each other. All right, all right let's move on. What i I'm done about, with this What I was
1: talking about was someone's ability to improvise on the spot and be done with the compositional process. That's what I'm talking about. And I
2: don't think you understood that, because you seem to think I, that I'm saying something better have talked, than... I have you know. talked to Benny Golson. I have mm-hmm. talked... To Horace Silver, mm-hmm. and they told me numerous times that's what their composed compositions were. Exactly. Improvisations. Well, yeah, they came up with the thing and it just fell out and they had it and it was done. Well, I'm not
1: saying that that's impossible because I've done it myself. Right. But that's- I'm just saying that Joe did it every single fucking time and Wayne didn't. Wayne is a guy who
2: is not like that,
1: right? And he so, also wrote great compositions too. And you know, and, and
2: and if and if if Joe were writing words, he wouldn't have been able to do no, it. No, probably He would have not. to sit and think no, about it. Probably not. You know, so I mean, it's like what I think the value of the composition is the important thing. Of course, but everything starts with the germ of an idea. True. That comes to you in the moment. True. And you follow it. Yeah. And that is pretty much whether you can spit it all out like Birdland happened, or whether mm-hmm. you know whether I'm sure Lady Be Good happened, or whether I'm sure. You know, like numerous of Horace's tunes happened, because um, he because he told me that's, that's the only right, reason but I know. But, but my point yeah. is
1: that I'm not arguing about quality here. I'm right. arguing about just the ability to sit down and, and because you started the argument by saying Joe's not a melodic improviser.
2: No, I said Joe's not a yeah. In well, the, my well, then to my not Birdland is not melodic. I'm that's not an saying I'm saying he never. Played melodically. I'm not. I didn't say that. I'm I can saying I don't play you think examples of him because where he I you know I can. I can play you examples of Ingve being melodic. Of lots of people being melodic. I'm just saying when I think of Joe, there's lots of things I think about his playing, and I don't go, oh, that's a melodic improviser. I think of him as a melodic improviser. I think of him as a textural improviser. I think of him as a sonic improviser. In a lot but of ways. not melodic. You said he I, wasn't a I melodic improviser. I, no, I don't think of him as
1: specifically a melodic oh, well, improviser. Well, you didn't say that, though. You said, I said that. You said he's not a
2: melodic improviser. No, I and didn't. I just went, what? I, I said, I don't think of him as one. Well, isn't I'm that thinking. the same thing? No. <laughs> no, because, because there are guys who basically, like, for instance, to me, Lester Young, pretty much a melodic improviser. That's where it's all coming from. Uh-huh. Then you got a guy... Like Charlie Parker. He's a melodic improviser, but he's also a harmonic improviser. He's also a very textual improviser. So there's a lot of elements to his improvising. That's what, So when I think of a melodic impro- improviser, I think of a guy like Chet Baker, who pretty much sits at home with the melody, and, and it's a melodic approach the entire time. It's not about uh, texture, uh-huh. it's not about a lot of harmony, it's not about a lot of sonic okay, elements. Okay, so I, no, I understand. So you misunderstood I, I, I me, see. and I understand how you misunderstood me, I understand, me, but that, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Okay. Well that I, I see
1: why I misunderstood. God. So yeah, because because when I think of when someone says someone's a melodic not a melodic improviser, that makes me think that you don't think they have the ability to be a melodic? Oh improvise.
2: no, I didn't. I said I don't think so, of him as yeah. one.
1: So that's a different whole thing. Right. So we have to move on. So anyway. <laughs> so so. But but here's the thing. What we were what we were talking about. Come on, guys. We were you guys have be been way too nice you, earlier on. Anyway. No, because you were asking the question. Who do you think of as melodic improvisers? No, I didn't say that. Now, no. I just
0: said who who do you guys who do you, who to you guys stand out as great storytellers in say jazz rock well pop. i would
1: definitely put joe in that category okay. because i'm one of the greatest storytellers of all time right D- duh because his music <coughs> tells the story i don't give a fuck about someone soloing fuck that shit right that's just
0: well that's that. what i'm asking I'm talking about their
1: music right you know what i mean their solo solos are just a part of the music i i don't put the same weight maybe as as you do on
2: soloing I don't. Well, I don't know. that. I actually would say, you know, in many ways, I would think that you do.
1: No, I, I don't, actually, well, because I've written a lot of
2: songs that don't have solos yeah, in them. Yeah, I know, but I you mean... Know, I, I, I mean, mean <clears> like,
1: I love Led Zeppelin, and I love their songs, and their solos are usually like, you know, an eight-bar solo when it's done and back to the song. I don't really... It's not
2: enough of a part of the song to
1: make it Either,
2: yeah,
0: maybe my question, like maybe my question maybe the question I mean? isn't I mean, a d- great d- question. Just speak for
2: yourself, because you're really missing the point with me. So just speak for yourself.
0: But maybe the question cool. isn't a great. Maybe that question isn't. No, I mean obviously, right I mean
2: in in for jazz and for music, you know storytelling, you know, in ta- in terms of taking something and making something out of it, right. we have to pretty much start with Louis Armstrong. Okay. You know, I mean, he's the one who gave us this this. Opened this door for all of us to be here. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was brilliant at it. Um, He he did it on all levels. He did it vocally. He did it musically. A lot of his advanced harmony, like even the West End Blues cadenza he played in the 20s, has a lot of what everybody in modern jazz is still playing. Has a lot of that Mm -hmm. vocabulary. He opened the door to all of that. So, I mean, and he was an amazing storyteller, mostly because he was also a singer, but we, are you putting him in the realm of jazz or in
1: music in general
2: because both. Albert King is both Both and I would right put Albert with King, him. of course.
1: You know, and B.B. King, they're sure. right there with him and sure, they but have nothing I mean, to do with jazz. Right. right,
2: but I'm just saying that even even those guys, the effect of Louis Armstrong on music in general yeah. was Yeah, huge. of course, huge. So so, huge. so I mean that they will start there and you just start building the tree from there from in my and I'm sure there are guys before Louis Armstrong, you know, that I'm just not as aware of that I should be. I mean, but um, you start there and you just start building the tree and everybody, that's our responsibility, is to add a branch to the tree. Mm. We're Mm -hmm. these human beings that our job, if we really take this seriously, is not to copy what came before us, but to learn from it and to forge an individual, unique path that is built on our aesthetic, our background, our perspective, our skill set, and our resources. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that is what our responsibility is and whether we're a Leonard Cohen or a Bob Dylan or a Hank Williams or a Louis Armstrong or a Miles Davis or a John Coltrane or Charlie Parker or a Joe Zawinul or a Wayne Shorter or a whoever, it doesn't matter. We all have the same responsibility, which is to do this thing, to take the music in a place that we hear it going. To be honest, to have integrity, and to have respect, and to try and shine a little light on the world and make it a better place, that's really, you know, when you come right down to it, to me, that's what this is about. Yeah, okay. I agree,
1: but you know, you asked the question, you asked a question that you sort of already know the answer to, you know what I mean? Because I know you're wanting our opinions, mm. but you know which music is
0: that you remember. Yeah. I mean yeah, look, you're at right.
1: all, look at the Beatles. Look at Stevie Wonder. Look at Led Zeppelin. After look I at asked all these that question people, and you
0: guys were arguing, I was thinking you know, about it and I'm like, yeah, it probably wasn't a great question yeah, to well, start with. Well, No, it, it is a good question.
1: But the thing is is that when you put it in the realm of any one particular kind of music, you're gonna cause arguments because, you know, you <laughs> can take you can take someone's favorite <coughs> rock band and that's not see like for example, not insulting Bruce. I'm not a big Charlie Parker fan. I like Charlie Parker, but I wouldn't consider myself a big fan. Right. But I like him. Yeah. But he's not one of my favorites. He is Bruce's favorite. My favorite sax player is Wayne Shorter. He may not be one of Bruce's favorite saxophone players, but Bruce, I'm sure Bruce likes him and respects him. Yeah. Just like I respect Charlie Parker, but my personal taste does not go there. Right. It does not. That's not where my personal taste goes. Right, and maybe his personal taste doesn't go to Joe Zawinul, right? That's all taste and uh, opinion uh, of that's all very uh, what would you call? What's the aesthetic. word for it? It's, it's aesthetic, right? And 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 when you start like picking apart music of one genre and asking people what's their favorite this or what's their favorite that, no one's going to agree, and nobody should, because. The reason we are who we are is because of what we like. Yeah. You know? That's the reason I am me (coughs) is because of all my influences. And my influences are completely different than Bruce's and probably completely different than yours. So that's what makes us individuals is because of you are what you listen to. You know, and when you and not I'm saying you like Bruce said, you don't want to copy people, but believe me. Name me one musician, and I'll tell you who his influences are. I can hear it, you know. And maybe if I don't know it, I can study it and find out. You know right, what I mean? right, and I can hear, I can hear like sure. the background of where that guy. You know, the reason why that guy plays like the way he plays is because who he listened to before he. Before and the, and the, the, the
2: genesis of our disagreement yeah. was just another aesthetic, which is like to me, I have ways of ascertaining influences by how a guy plays. You know, is mm-hmm. he a melodic player? Is he a textural player? Is he a harmonic player? Is he a sonic player? And everybody's a mixture of those things. Right. Nobody exactly. is any one thing. But in general, you know, guys have places where they seem to like to go more than others. Right. And so why, you know, I would not think of a melodic player in one context just as a melodic player. It's not that they're not melodic. It's this, that that's not the weight of the weightedness of what I'm hearing, right. it all being played out to me. Okay? Yeah, you 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 hear
1: somebody play, and you can you not to it. be all not not to be all like scientific and everything, but you could say, yeah, he's like maybe five percent melody, twenty percent right. textural. You could you could you, do you a Pandora could, kind you know, of algorithm, you, want, you know, an algorithm that that tells you, yeah, this is that kind of player. Like with someone like Toots Thillman, I would say that he's like about ninety percent about melody, and ten percent about chops and everything else. The guy, well, you know, he's textural too because he has he makes a lot of different sounds with his instrument. But then and you hear you his
2: know, guitar stuff. playing, and you get his you get an even deeper idea as to where it's all. That's coming true.
1: From. I forgot that he played guitar. <coughs> oh, all, yeah. right. all right, let and me plays guitar.
0: Let me you know segue with the same. And bring in, um, just but he whistles I'm, when he plays guitar, and then it's, it's even, even more mello- me- yeah. melodic. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I wanted to do this record date. My
2: first record date I ever Steelman. Wow,
1: man, he was such a genius. What's the yeah. record?
2: I don't even know if it's out. It's probably wow. out. It's me. It was a trio: me and Buster Williams and Tooth Steelman. He song. was such a. I uh, was like eighteen. You know, 18. he was
1: such an incredibly uh, melodic. Not just his playing, but him.
2: As a person, he was like a, an elf or an imp yeah, or a, a spirit. Yeah, I
1: would call him like Santa Claus. Uh, a spirit. Kinda, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He you know, was
2: like Tinkerbell I saw or a, a male of version his, of Tinkerbell. A lot of his wow. concerts. Payne.
1: And I, I never saw anybody as sweet to the audience and just who was so genuine. Yeah. Like, like, you know, that none of that fucking grandiose bullshit. None of that <clears throat> me shit. None of that applause. But a big hungry, part, of, a big part of his ego, thing was also you know,
2: sonic. You know, like yeah. the way he used the sound of the harmonica. Yeah. And you even if you listen to his whistling and his guitar playing, there's that element in there too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a certain specific, yeah. particularly when he's whistling and guitar. Yeah. I mean, he's got a, you know. So you couldn't say he's all melodic because there's a big sonic. Yeah, there's a no sonic. That's to, why I said he's really. You know, and, and again, well, I mean, I'm just saying you know. as a musician when I sit and listen to stuff. I analyze these things because they're of interest to me. Mm. You know, I, I appreciate it more well, when I get inside. Sh- you well, th- well, you m- should
1: analyze it.
2: Well, th- tell me, I want your
0: opinion before we forget. Um, we lost John Amicrombie. Oh, man. And mm-hmm. th- th- you knew, knew Bruce? Him. Did you yeah. know him, Scott, as well? I
1: met him a few times. Okay. Um, I I didn't know him very well, you know. Um, yeah. He... He To be honest, he wasn't one of my favorite electric players because he started to play, when I first heard him, he was playing fusion. Mm-hmm. And I never really considered him a fusion player. I okay. considered him a jazz guy that maybe wants to try to be a fusion guy. Right. And we can talk about that later for a minute because I have something I want to say. But, but, <coughs> but I heard him play at least three times, duets with Ralph Towner, mm-hmm. <coughs> it was just gorgeous. Like, he had a really melodic sensibility. He kind of reminded me a little bit of Vic um, Vic Juris, you know? Yeah. Um, he kind of had a <coughs> really melodic, beautiful... And he always had, like... He was always varying his sounds. He always had uh, pedals, and he was always using different sounds and stuff like that. So he wasn't, like, a traditional guy at all. No. But it, his forte was playing more of a clean style than a distortion style. Because I wasn't really crazy about... When he, was, when he first came on the scene, he was a distortion player, and right. I was like, ah, this, this is not my thing. But then later, when he started making jazz records, and he was playing clean, and he was especially in these duets with Ralph Towner,
2: wow, just There's truly a gorgeous, great record man. that needs to be in every jazz guitarist. Which, which one is that? It uh, was the Timeless record. Oh, yeah, Timeless. That's a It was main, Jan great Hammer record, and Jack Dijonet. Great record. A really... He, yeah. they really, you know, just like, I mean, with the organ trio, the way Larry Goldings and mm-hmm. Peter Bernstein has, they redefined a, a traditional, you know, uh, a traditional orchestra, you know, a, a grouping, you know, like guitar yeah. based. And the guitar organ and drums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that was like you know back to Jimmy Smith Wild mm-hmm. Bill Davis that was but I think know, it's more modern thing. than that well no I'm just saying yeah. that was like the blues and Joey DiFrancesco's, you know doing it and you know and then the outer guys like Larry Young but it was still really traditional and Don Patterson and then Jan Hammer came along of course with the, you know the Tony Williams Lifetime and all that stuff and they were moving the music more in kind of an active fusion kind of way And but yet They took it, and we're talking the 70s here, you know, that record is so melodic and so vibey and that sound which is so rooted in the blues clubs and the barbecue of my life Mm -hmm. and to take that into a new world and really play so beautifully like they did. uh, John really, he set the tone, I mean, in many ways for the organ trio to move into the new directions it has, not that Larry Goldings and Peter Bernstein are going in that direction, they're going in their own, but it did sort of, it was the key that Larry Young and everybody had been, I think, were looking for, you know, and just sort of broke those doors open, and, and really every guitar player needs to listen to that. Record. Yeah,
1: that's a—that's kind of a must-have in anybody's record yeah, collection, because yeah. it's, it's, it really is a good record. You know, it's been a while...
2: Something that's been on my mind that I really need to express to
3: you.
2: I must tell you how I really feel. Oh, you are an angel, an angel sent from hell.
3: Your mouth like a sailor
2: cheap cosmetics may
0: There you go, guys. There's another one. I hope you enjoyed that. See, Bruce and Scott, they made up. They, they managed to bring it back around and come together and be happy again. Be the, the, the fine lesbian couple they are. <laughs> you can tell I was in the background. I'm revving them on and laughing. and uh, It's great. But that was good. There was a lot of cool... T- I don't think Bruce really wanted me to post that, but... To be fair, there's a lot of good shit he said in that whole conversation and Scott and him worked it out and I wanted to share that. Fuck, we start editing all that, the meaty part of the show out. Fuck. (laughs) Anyway, I liked it. I hope you guys liked it. Uh, We'll see you all next week. Uh, We're going to try and get some extra guitar wank, extra shows up soon. We'll do that. We're going to have some more guests that I'm not going to talk about. And then uh, we're going to hit the 100th. And damn, we're going to organize the prizes. We're going to have some prizes for the 100th show. So hang tight. Don't get your knickers in a knot. And we'll see you guys all next week. Ladies, we'll see you too. And if any ladies out there are offended by the show, please write to us. I'd love to hear from you. I'm trying to get Jennifer Batten on. If she comes in town, maybe she'll come on. The a legend. That'd be really cool. I love love Jennifer. Funny uh, oh, 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 You cheap little hoe. Who are you talking uh, to? Alright. See you guys
3: next week.